Hi everyone, and welcome to Happy Paws, presented by FearFreeHappyHomes.com. Happy Paws is a podcast by pet lovers for pet lovers. We take a scientific and evidence-backed approach to helping you understand your pet on a deeper level. In this episode, we're joined again by Lori Chamberlain, Education Manager for Fear Free, for another session of Trainer Talk. On this edition, Mikkel and Lori will discuss barking, the causes, the effects, training tips, and how you can create a healthy relationship with barking for you and your dog. Hi, Lori. So good to have you back, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be here again. Well, today we are talking all about ways that our dogs talk in terms of their barking, why it happens, and different solutions and things that we can do about it. So I'm excited to dig in. Are you ready for it? Definitely ready for it. Yeah. Barking is a challenging one to address because there's so many different reasons why it occurs and all of those different reasons require a different solution. So it's a, one of the more challenging behavior quote unquote problems that we have as trainers face to solve. So looking forward to uh, diving into it with you. So the interesting thing about barking that I learned as I really dug into dog behavior and just really dogs evolution from the wolf is that wolves don't commonly bark unless they're puppies. So that behavior in and of itself is something that has evolved specifically for dogs and actually has made them very beneficial to mankind in terms of You know, ancient dogs, it's believed that they benefited society in terms of offering an early alert system. So today, like in my home, I have an alarm system if anyone breaks in, you know, back then and, and still today, like dogs serve as a great warning system. And one thing, actually, I was listening to a great podcast on, it's one of those, those true crime, of course, but it was interesting talking that they were talking to one of the the people that would break into homes. And his main thing that he looked at was if a person had a dog. And so if people had a, a dog, then he was a lot less likely to break into that home. So any signs of like, you know, dog dish, dog toys, he's like, yep, nope, going to avoid that one because they do, they offer this great warning system. So whether it was, you know, ancient tribes that were being warned of incoming intruders from other camps or incoming animals, I mean, they offered such a great warning system that really benefits us today. And I actually want to talk at at some point today about a way that a dog's barking actually saved my life too. So excited to hear about how your life got saved by barking and definitely appreciate the, the history lesson on barking. And I think it's a really good reminder to everyone that barking has evolved as a normal dog behavior. So even though we as humans um, sometimes can find it loud and irritating and frustrating, your goal should really never be to stop your dog from barking completely because it is a normal behavior for them. But rather, we really want to reduce the barking in certain situations. Um, There are times like you said, where you might want a dog to bark. So alert barking, for example, uh, if there is an intruder at your house or an intruder in the form of Amazon delivery, let's say, uh, or even, you know, hey, there's a bunny in my yard or look, there's a deer over there. That type of barking is generally not problematic and we generally don't need to do anything to quote unquote fix it. A lot of people, myself included, kind of appreciate that 
that alert that something is there. And, you know, I may not have seen it or heard it, but the dog certainly did. So that's an interesting point you bring up. Yeah. And what's interesting too, sometimes people will say, my dog is barking at nothing. I think that's really common. It's like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing out there, but dogs have these, these heightened senses in terms of their sense of smell and also their hearing. They can hear at different frequencies than we can. And they also have really great directional control so they can swivel their ears and, and really hone in on different sounds that we might miss. So even if we can't hear it, it doesn't mean that our dog isn't hearing something. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make that, you know, they are just that much more alert than we are. And um, thinking, looking at the underlying reasons why dog bark can be really, really helpful. So one of those things, there's several different reasons why it might happen. And one of them we already kind of discussed, the alert barking and something there. There's I see something or I hear something or I smell something. Um, some of the other reasons, common reasons why dogs might bark uh, is out of fear. So barking can be an attempt at, by a dog to drive away a perceived threat or something that they um, think is scary. So some, sometimes it's misinterpreted just as a nuisance behavior, but it's their attempt to say, hey, that thing is scary. I, wanna, I want it to go away. Um, some of the other reasons Dogs might bark for attention, so, or out of boredom, they may want our attention. And unlike fear barking or alert barking, the attention-seeking barking is really a learned behavior. So that's something that we teach them. We sometimes in the training world call that demand barking. So also to go along with that, sometimes barking has just become a habit. So like Behaviors such as chewing and digging, um, barking can be self-reinforcing or self-rewarding, and the dog has kind of learned it as a go-to behavior. So that's another reason. Dogs might bark out of frustration. So um, that often might occur if the dog is either in the house behind a window or um, out on a leash and can't physically get to the person or dog or thing that they're barking at. They might be frustrated by it. And um, lastly, they may bark out of just excitement or play. So think about when you come home and your dog, that my dogs certainly do this. If I've been away from the house for several hours, they will bark out of excitement to see me. And for me, that's definitely not problematic. That's just a, hey, how are you doing, mom? It's been a while. Uh, and you may hear them barking kind of when they're playing with their canine friends. So those are just some of the reasons, not all, but some of the reasons why dogs might bark. And so you see, start to see that it gets complicated um, to figure out, but it's also very important to figure out the reason behind the barking. So um, if we look at trying to solve the barking um, for us, we want to look at why it's happening in the first place. So what do you think about that? A couple things. I, I, there are a few things I wanted to touch on. I, you bring up so many great points. And just one more to just add to that list that, like you said, there's so many reasons, but another one is like social facilitation. So if another dog's barking, it's likely they're going to join in. And that's one of the reasons why we don't want to yell at our dog for barking is it seems to them like, hey, oh my God, mom's excited. Dad's excited. They're joining in. They're barking too. And so we're just heightening. We're adding fuel to the fire rather than trying to calm the situation down and helping our pet to better cope with that. So the more that 
you know, other dogs are barking, the more likely it is our dog's going to join in. And if we are yelling and getting upset, it's likely it's just going to really kind of add to that whole cycle. So trying to actually quiet down ourselves and give them better direction and kind of redirecting their attention to something is, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more on some, some of the solutions, but so another thing to kind of consider too, is how, how it is a social behavior. And a couple other things that I remember Dr. Ken Martin and Debbie Martin are good friends and a veterinary behaviorist and a veterinary nurse who specializes in behavior. And I remember them teaching me through their puppy start right program, how barking there, there are two main ways to also think about barking can be to either increase space or to decrease space. And so like when it's like a warning bark or say that they're alarmed, they're scared. A lot of times it's going to be that lower pitched bark. It's that, that, woof, you know, that, that like really kind of deep or, um, kind of that more like forceful sometimes like, um, so it'll be, yeah, kind of that lower sound or sometimes they'll, they'll give warnings too. So sometimes a dog might bark at another dog that's coming or sometimes they may have barking within other vocalizations such as, as growling in some cases like with resource guarding or things like that. So that's another thing to, to consider. But then when we think about the distance decreasing, that's more, that's actually something like our newly adopted shelter dog Nova does when she's been dealing with separation anxiety since I've gotten her. And so we're trying to help her with that. But when she gets stressed, when she's confined, she can't get to us. It's these really loud kind of yelps and almost like that, that sounds almost like an infant kind of cry. So those are more of the, the distance decreasing where they're calling their group in, they're calling their friends to them. They're trying to get that help, trying to, to decrease that space. So both distance decreasing and distance increasing are a couple things to think about too with barking. I love that you pointed out that the type of barking is really important too. Like the, yeah. that high pitch, meaning, where are you? Come to me, usually, that, that distance decreasing type of bark. And then that low pitch, growly, is distance increasing. I want you to go mm -hmm. away. Exactly. And, and just like with growling, where we don't want to punish the growl, we also don't want to punish the bark. So in terms of a dog that is barking out of fear, they're barking uh, because they're upset. Someone's like in their space, they're uncertain what's going to happen. A lot of times when we are punishing that, we're just adding to that uncertainty. And so we're just masking that underlying distress and discomfort that they're feeling. And we aren't giving them a different way to feel about that situation or these, these better coping strategies. So just like we don't want to punish the growl, it's important to not punish the bark, but really get down to those root causes of it, which I know I'm going to ask you now if you want to dig into some of those solutions for barking. Yeah. Um, before that, though, I'd love to just add on why not punish, you know, why not punish mm -hmm. the barking? I know it can really be tempting because barking is loud. It's unpleasant. Um, oftentimes when we're out in public, it's embarrassing to us. So we may tend to want to fix it immediately. Like we don't want to wait around. So we might turn to one of those punishment-based solutions like an anti-barking collar. Uh, but when we do that, that contributes to a breakdown in trust. Um, it definitely strains our relationship with the dog and Really importantly, um, as you pointed out, it doesn't change the underlying reasons behind the barking. So if a dog is barking out of fear, he's still every bit as afraid. But if we punish the barking, now he has to find some other way to dissipate that nervous energy. So that can be that can turn into aggression. So you punished me for barking. So next time I'm just going to bite. 
Um, Mm -hmm. It can even turn into like self-injurious behavior. So things like excessive licking or chewing at their paw or a certain spot in their body because they're nervous, they've been punished for barking, they don't know what else to do. Um, Some of the other things I've seen are destructive chewing. So chewing on household items where they didn't used to do that before, now they can't bark, they're still afraid, they've got to do something. So, um, and oftentimes the barking does have a fear or anxiety component to us, whether, whether or not it looks like that to us, um, from the dog's standpoint, it does. And when we punish that, we will almost certainly make it worse. So the, the yes. fear and anxiety is just going to get worse. As you know, Mikkel, with, with, by adding punishment, anytime we add punishment to the equation, we make the fear and anxiety and stress worse. Yeah. And it's like for those dogs, it's like they've learned a good offense is their best defense. So they may look confident, they may appear confident or sound confident, but a lot of times, as you said, it's like that, that underlying distress that they're feeling. And so it's just like those dogs have taken a really good self-defense class. Like I I know I definitely felt much more prepared to tackle a situation after being really into my jujitsu classes and I feel more equipped and more bold. And so it's like, you may appear confident, but you know, if you're attacked on the street, you are going to feel fearful, but at least you will, you know, you'll have the tools to kind of manage that in a more confident way, but the underlying emotion, you're still scared. So that's a, an important thing to think about. Cause a lot of times it's like, well, you know, the, the little chihuahua, well, he thinks he's really tough. He thinks he's big. Well, it's, it's unlikely that he really thinks he's big. He's scared. He may sound big uh, for his size, or he may appear to us like, oh, he thinks he's really big when he's barking at these big dogs. But the, the reason almost always is going to be that fear and that distress and that anxiety about that situation. And so the dog a lot of times learns like, Hey, I bark at that dog or I bark at that person. And mom and dad a lot of times picks me up and then I get to, you know, go up in, in their safe arms. I'm given some attention. So a lot of times they, they learn through consequences and they get some distance from that scary thing. So dogs are continually learning and, and most likely it's just that dog is afraid and they've learned that barking is one way to, to gain space from that scary stressor. Yeah, I think that's um, a really important point to make. Just goes back to the self-defense class. They learn that I bark and the thing goes away. And the thing doesn't even have to be scary at all. I mean, it could be an Amazon delivery person mm-hmm. or something and the, that comes to the door, dog barks. Dog doesn't realize that the Amazon delivery person is going to drop off your package and leave no matter what he does. But he starts to learn that I barked, so the person went away. Thank goodness. Better bark again next time. Um, same thing with if someone scary goes to pet the dog or if a, a dog they don't want to say hi to comes too close and they bark, you're right. It, it results in increased distance, which is what they wanted. So um, ends up being reinforcing for them. So Lori, you talked about a lot of different causes for barking and when it might occur. Let's go ahead and dig into those a little bit more. So in terms of alert barking, what are some solutions for that type of barking? Yeah, so that one actually is, it's your call, whether or not you need to even address alert barking at all. So for me, that's something that I appreciate. Um, As a homeowner, I appreciate having my dogs let me know when there's someone or something around. But if it it does become an annoying thing to you, or if you have frequent guests, let's say, um, you can start by feeding your dog tasty treats when they see or hear uh, another person or their trigger for barking. So 
those treats can serve to distract the dog and calm the dog. And while they're eating, it's tough, not impossible, but tough to eat tasty treats while you're barking. So they might decrease the amount of barking that way. And plus, if there is a little bit of a fear component along with that alert barking, you'll be helping to teach the dog that new people or animals predict good things. So what about frustration barking? So for frustration, um, that's going to be more of a combination of management as well as training. And when I say management, I mean things like arranging the environment in a way that makes it, that reduces the behavior that we don't want. So for barking, this can be things like closing the curtains or the blinds at a certain type of day, or if the barking occurs all day long, might think about applying an opaque window film or some other type of visual barrier so that the dog can't physically see what's causing him or her to bark. Um, so if you're out walking and the dog is frustrated, you could try increasing the distance between the dog and the, the person or other dog by either doing a quick about turn or crossing the street or walking quickly behind a car or a building, something to block the view of the trigger. Um, and then I would always think about increasing daily enrichment. So um, the things that we do with our dog to help stave off boredom. So things like food puzzles, training sessions, um, adding some more walks or some more sniffing fun games, anything to help help stave off boredom and um, promote sleep on the dog's part because they definitely can't bark while they're asleep. So if it is occurring out of frustration, those are some ideas there. I really, really like all of those points. And as you're talking about that, I, I can't help but think of our little rescue pug, Otis, the one that's our our problem child, but very loved child. And he is a big time barker. I, I It's amazing how much of a change has happened in him since we've gotten him where he, he barked a heck of a lot. And I know you're going to go into the fear anxiety based barking, which a lot of it was based on that. But also, I think some of it comes down to the he's part Pekingese, part pug, part Brussels griffin. And I think maybe some of that that impulsivity may be part of the pug in him. And the definitely the watchdog barking, alert dog barking, I definitely think is the Pekingese, at least for the Pekingese I've worked with. And it's interesting, actually, when you look back at the Pekingese breed, because they were actually bred to be like in ancient China, they would be in the emperor's robes. They would actually go up in the sleeves of his robes. And if someone came into his chamber, into his room, they would run out barking. And so they would alert bark and just, which, you know, it's like that little dog barking. That's kind of the, the epitome of what you might think of a, a little dog that has a big, bigger bark than their bite maybe. And so I definitely think like part of that is, you know, perhaps some of the, some of the breeding in him too, like where he's, he's bred to alert bark. So any kind of change in his environment, he's, he's going to alert at it. And I, I definitely want, he also is the dog that I feel like I, in many ways, credit for saving my life, which I'll, I'll go into that story at the end. But a couple of things that have really helped with his barking uh, that you mentioned are the opaque film that you put on the window that has made such a big difference for him, as well as, as having uh, like blinds that we can close because anytime I'm not there, say I'm working or I'm busy on something, if he's seen people and dogs pass by the window all the time or uh, joggers or skateboarders, like it was constant kind of chaos for him. And he's just constant stimuli, it's stressful for him. And so it's been really helpful to be able to 
have a way that I can help him to kind of turn off and be able to relax rather than being constantly aroused and constantly on the alert. So being able to have that option has made a monumental difference for him. And then when we are out and about and he is exposed to those triggers, as you mentioned, definitely giving him an alternative behavior. So when we're out on walks, he sees a person, he sees a dog rather than his go-to that he came to us with, which was just barking and reacting and being out at the end of the leash. Instead, what we've been teaching him and trying to reinforce is him turning towards us and coming back towards us. And that's his way to alert us that there's a new person, there's a new dog, there's some change in his environment. He may also do a behavior called a hand target, which you can find a free video of how to teach a hand target or a touch on fearfreehappyhomes.com. It's a great behavior that every dog should have. And so whenever Otis sees something that he might bark at, rather than the bark, his new response is turn towards us and just look towards us, come towards us or do that hand target. So those are some, some really good ones. Along with one more that you can find on fearfreehappyhomes.com is a behavior called find it. So it's a really fun game that you can play with your dog and it's a way to help them calm down, give them something alternative to focus on. So we're scattering treats out on the grass or out on the cement for him. So when he sees a dog, he sees a person, we're going to do find it. So it turns his attention right away towards those treats. And actually I use this just today because I was walking both Nova and Otis out on their, their little walk and and all is going well. And all of a sudden there is just a cat that runs right in front of them. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like that, like high thrill, high excitement, that surprise, like, and they were both just about to go into that bark and that frenzy. And so right away I'm like, find it. And so but then scatter those treats. So immediately it gives them an alternative thing to focus on and helps them to both calm down and kind of like, Whew, de-escalate that very stressful situation, which was also super exciting from their standpoint. Oh, I love that. I love those are such great solutions too for that fear and anxiety-based type barking. Um, I love that you started off by going into looking at who is the dog I have before me. So mm -hmm. you went into Otis's breed history and what, what are those breed-specific tendencies for each individual dog? Maybe barking is even more of a normal thing for a certain breed than for another breed. So being aware of that and giving him uh, permission almost to be himself, to be a dog, to, yes, you're, you're supposed to alert bark. That's what you were bred for. So I think that is a big part of seeing things from the dog's point of view is a big part of this. Um, and I can completely relate with my dog, Brio. She really, for the first two years of her life, she really didn't have, didn't bark too, much. She was pr a pretty quiet, fairly quiet girl. But then during COVID, uh, we started to have people when people when everybody was working from home and the world shut down at the very beginning of COVID, everybody, literally everybody and their dog were out walking <laughs> past our house. And, you know, she used to really enjoy lying out in this bay window and watching the world go by kind of calmly. But when that happened, now all of a sudden, that predictability was just gone. So there used to be certain times of day where people would walk by. Now it was any time and every time, who knows who's going to show up, when they're going to show up. So I watched slowly as her fear and reactivity got worse and worse, as, as the predictability got less and less and more people started walking by. So her barking increased dramatically during that beginning of COVID. Um, and it's definitely, it turned to a default behavior on her part. I don't even think she was in her thinking brain at all. 
I think she was just barking because it had become a comfort behavior for her. And um, so that's when I really started looking at the management. I actually got the idea for the opaque window film from you, my friend, to uh, put that on the bay window so that now she can still lay up there and get some of the sunlight coming in, but she doesn't have that visual constant access to that constant stream of triggers. Um, and one of the other things that, in addition to all those great solutions that you already mentioned, um, one of the one additional thing I did with Brio, in addition to feeding her tasty treats while she was seeing the trigger, is um, I couldn't be with her 24-7. I couldn't be right next to her every single time she saw a trigger. And I did talk to my veterinarian, and we added some calming supplements and some calming medication, and that had made a world of difference for her. So what that allowed me to do is to really get in there with the treats and turn on what we call her thinking brain rather than mm. just reacting to that stimulus. Now she's kind of a little bit more able to take treats. Now I could redirect her away from it. Whereas before we had the medications on board, um, she was just, there was no redirecting her. She was just hyper-focused on whatever the stimulus was. So sometimes if it's a barking that's, you know, really, she was having 30 or 40 barking explosions a day. And now we're down to maybe one or two, maybe. Um, some days we have none. So it's really made a dramatic difference. Um, and that I would say for those dogs who are really in that constant state of fear and anxiety for whatever reason, talking to your veterinarian about calming supplements or calming medications can really help get in, get in there with the treats and really help those dogs to learn newer, better, calmer responses when they see their trigger rather than just bark or be afraid. So Lori, let's go ahead and look at attention seeking, boredom barking, or that habitual barking, which you've, you've touched on that already, but love to hear some of your ideas on that. And, and also I know, I, I think we have one dog that we both know that we can talk about being kind of the poster child for attention barking. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we hopefully my dad's our... not listening to this. <laughs> well, let's just say we know a few dogs in the family who may or may not have an attention-seeking barking habit. <laughs> so <laughs> with attention-seeking or boredom, um, unlike with fear and anxiety, we actually want to avoid feeding treats during that. We want to avoid reinforcing that with any kind of attention at all. So attention can be positive or negative. So even if your dog is barking at you like, bark, 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 pay attention to me. And you're like, shut up. I, I'm busy right now. I can't. That's still attention to your dog. So even, even yelling at them or negative attention, which we never would advise, but some people that is their go-to even that the dog views as attention and that can serve as a reinforcer for that barking. So oftentimes um, I've seen this a lot of times in dog class or in a training class where someone's dog is barking kind of nonstop and the person reaches down and shh, oh shh, it's okay, mm -hmm. don't, it's okay. And they end up touching the dog or even petting the dog or I've seen people physically put their hand over the dog's mouth as if to like shush them or quiet them. So we want to definitely avoid that when it's attention-seeking barking, because that's only going to increase it. Um, so I would recommend um, using your treats to teach the dog a quiet cue. So we actually, if you go to Fear Free Happy Homes, 
we actually have a nice article and we could probably link that in the show notes. We can link that article on how to use your treats to teach the dog a, quiet, a cue that means quiet. So that can be a great way to, if they're barking for attention, you give them their cue that means quiet. Now I'll give you a treat. Um, also, I would definitely increase their enrichment activities and what's available to them to try and alleviate that boredom on their part if they're barking out of boredom. So speaking on this, I think of my dad's dog, Cutie Pie Becker. He's a little mix of Jack Russell and I can't even remember what all else, but he is like the epitome of an attention or demand barker. And I know that you saw this, Lori, when you came up and stayed with our family at Almost Heaven Ranch where he, it, whether it's going outside, he, someone's putting on their shoes, you're grabbing the leash, you are whatever it might be. He's like, he's ready. He's like, I want to go out the door. I want that leash on. I want to go on that walk or I want that toy or I want that food that you have. So whatever it might be, he, a lot of times just out of that sheer habit. And after it being reinforced by my dad, and he's already a vocal dog anyway. So it was one of those behaviors that was easy for my dad to reinforce whether he meant to or not. Whenever Kitty was barking and he wanted something, whether it's, you know, the door to open, it's to be pet, it's to get that toy. He just naturally goes now, especially both naturally and through that learning experience with my dad reinforcing it, he's learned, okay, when I want something, I bark and then it happens. So he's, he's, it almost seems like a little bit of a bossy behavior, but it's a, a trained bossy behavior. And so with him, one thing, cause I, I dog sit him quite often that I've worked on is both teaching him a quiet cue and then trying to ask him for that quiet before he gets whatever it is. And I know that you and I actually did this when we were up at the ranch where we were going to go outside and cuties bark, 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 bark. And he has like the shrillest bark where you're like, ah, it hurts my ears. And so whenever he was barking, we kind of turned to the side or even turned our backs on him, waited for him to be quiet. As soon as he's quiet, we're turning, we're walking towards the door. As soon as he barks, okay, we stop in our tracks. We turn to the side. As soon as he's quiet, good. We get to walk towards that door and then we can open it. But we're waiting for that quiet before and that mouth closed. So just an easy thing to look for is mouth closed. So just think mouth closed, the dog is not barking. And so that's really our main criteria that we were looking at is mouth closed whenever it's closed or we don't hear any barking. If we have our, our backs or our sides turn towards him, then we can start to approach and give him that thing that he wants, whatever it might be. So in that situation, it was the, the door opening and getting to go outside and go, go visit the horses. Yeah, I love that. That's pointing out looking for mouth closed is great for um, you don't necessarily have to be a super experienced trainer to see closed mouth. So if you're looking at if you've got even if you've got a clicker and some treats, what are you going to click for? Closed mouth could be a good point at which you click and then deliver your treat. Or if you're not a clicker trainer yet or don't want to be, just deliver the treat when that mouth is closed. So I think you actually covered a real a lot of the solutions for fear and anxiety based barking. So let me just kind of see if I can remember and kind of wrap up, um, sum up what you had said. So definitely don't want to punish ever because you're only likely to increase the fear and anxiety when we add punishment to the behavior. So um, pairing tasty treats with the trigger that's causing the barking. So this teaches the dog that uh, whatever that previously scary thing was now predicts tasty treats. And also adding into that your find it cue where you, you give them a cue that means just something fun. Um, go find the treats on the ground or whatever. Play with your toy. If you have a tugging dog, like one of my border collies is a huge tugger. So for him, 
it would be tug and then he gets his tug toy. Um, doing the management as well. So if they're barking out a window, then that opaque window film or closing the curtains and blinds. And I think for, for some of the extreme fear and anxiety based barking where it's occurring, you know, several times a day on a daily basis, I would definitely recommend looking at a behavior modification plan that includes um, a positive reinforcement trainer, like a fear-free certified animal trainer and or potentially a veterinary behaviorist to really get in there and recommend the proper medication if it is an extreme situation. Um, might recommend calming supplements or medication to help the dog learn new responses to that trigger. Well, little Otis, he is definitely, he is just, he's Otis. I, it's hard to, hard to describe him until you meet him, but he is, he is so sweet, but man alive, he is, you know, he has, he has a little bit of a past. I don't think he was super well socialized. So when we adopted him and we were his fifth home by the time he was seven months old. So he had gone through quite a bit before we got him and really any new person, any new dog, anything was pretty scary. And once he felt more comfortable, when I first got him, actually, it's interesting. He was very quiet but his, and the only time he barked when the person that was bringing him over on the, on the airplane that was so sweet, they volunteered to help fly him over from the Arizona uh, Pug Rescue Network. And uh, the only time that Otis barked the entire time during the flight going through the airport was when the, the guy that was volunteering to bring him over just went to the bathroom. And then Otis went from really quiet to all of a sudden he's, he's starting to bark. And it's that high-pitched bark, like, come back, come back. And so... When I first got Otis, he was, he was very quiet, but his, his body language was showing he wasn't comfortable with new people or with different sights or sounds that were, you know, new and scary to him. And as he started to really settle in and feel more comfortable, he also felt more comfortable with being able to express himself. And so he actually started to bark more and more. And it's not that he all of a sudden just learned how to bark or that, that anything was becoming worse. It actually was just that he was more comfortable. So he was less inhibited. The fear before was so great. He didn't feel as comfortable speaking up and saying, Hey, I'm not comfortable with that. So in a lot of ways, it was, it was very helpful to kind of see how he really felt about those situations and for him to speak up. It gave him a good outlet to, you know, express himself without having to escalate into any further aggression. But with him, we worked a lot on trying to pair different people and new things with really good things happening. So we'd have visitors over, we'd meet people out on walks. And if they were seemed like a, a nice, calm person, or they were interested in seeing him, then that's when I'd bring out that really good lean deli meat or some chicken breast or some kind of really tasty treat and let them feed that to him. And so pairing those people with something really good. And also rather than it being a, Hey, you can go ahead and pet him, which that's overwhelming. That's just going to reinforce his fear and his discomfort comfort instead giving him that choice that he can, he can approach them and say hi, or he doesn't have to. So that's, that was super important for him. He started to get more and more comfortable with different people and different dogs. And even though he's, he still has that underlying distress at times and isn't entirely comfortable, he, you know, started to learn those coping behaviors of, yeah, I see that person. I, whatever it is, I check in with you. Um, he's starting to feel more comfortable with them just emotionally. So he's, it's less of that barking outpour. But one time I was out walking him at our apartment complex and we had, had made such huge progress on him being less reactive to people. And we're outside. It's it's dark. I 
it's one of those times where it's like you have that feeling and you kind of like, like kind of shut down your intuition. I had this feeling like, Hey, I shouldn't be on my phone, but it was kind of a longer walk and I got distracted and some, I think I got a text or something. So I started looking at my phone and I'm out there in between the apartment complexes and the buildings. And it's kind of this big grassy area that was, that was dark. It wasn't well lit. And I'm out there walking at both um, Indiana Bones and Otis. And all of a sudden there's just this eruption of barking from Otis. And, and it had been like literally days or weeks at that point in time since I'd heard anything even like that since we had gotten him. And so it was like, Whoa, what the heck, what's going on? And so all of a sudden that barking was back and it was back with a vengeance. And, and then as soon as Bones heard him, he starts joining in too. And Bones has a very, a very deep, he sounds much bigger than, than he is as a little puggle. And, and so of course I turn and I look and literally as soon as I turn and look, there was this, this person that was probably, I think a, a definitely male, I think over six foot, he was very tall. And, um, so probably like six, six, one, six, two, and he had a hood on and, you know, dark clothing and he was coming up behind me really fast. And so literally it I mean, this all happened in like a matter of seconds. So really fast between Otis barking and lunging back on the end of the leash towards this person. And then bones joining in me looking back and seeing literally this hooded person that's, that's coming towards me. And I, I'm sure they were going to, you know, it's one of those situations where it it was not going to be good what they were going to do. And it was such a big grassy area. That's, you know, a distance of like probably 200 feet from one apartment to the other. There's no reason that they would be coming up behind me in the dark in that space other than having ill intentions. And so literally because of Otis doing that alert dog barking and warning me and bones joining in, it scared that guy off enough by them making that noise and me turning, being able to grab my pepper spray, being ready to, you know, take action if anything else happened. Also going right towards that light as fast as I could as I'm watching him, Uh, you know, by the time I, I grabbed my pepper spray at my side and I'm looking back all of a sudden that guy was, was gone again. He was, you know, back in the shadows again. And so thankfully took off, but I really truly credit Otis and his barking for saving my life and, or at least saving me from a very, very bad situation. So in so many ways, I'm, I'm sure Otis is not alone in, in the ways that dogs can really, really help us. And his, his barking was you know, really what saved me in that situation. So as you said, we don't want to punish the bark and and it's appropriate for them to bark and to warn us and, and to give us that heads up when we need it. And also, you know, as you, as you also said, dogs sometimes bark out of play. And so in in excitement, so there are these normal, normal times that dogs might bark and, and reasons that we can be grateful for their barking as I definitely have experienced with Otis. So, wow, I had never heard that story before. It kind of gave me chills listening to you talking to it and what a great reason one of many why we shouldn't punish the alert barking especially uh, or any barking but really let them continue doing it it can really be literally a lifesaver so um i think i'd i'd love to wrap up today with just giving a quick conclusion for people on you know what to do how to how to quote unquote solve their dog's barking so it involves a little bit of playing detective on your part to figure out why the dog is barking in the first place. Is it that attention seeking? Do you think it's fear or anxiety related? Um, you know, and then what's, what's maintaining that behavior? So if it's, if a dog is barking day in and day out, something is reinforcing that barking, something is maintaining it. So is it, uh, the Amazon delivery person going away? Is it resulting in attention from you, be that positive or negative? Like, what is it that's keeping the barking going? 
And then lastly, really trying to see things. I think the really the best solution to barking is empathy. So really seeing things from your dog's point of view and viewing that barking as a symptom rather than the problem. So if we think about um, fixing the anxiety or the boredom or the attention seeking rather than fixing the barking, I think that puts us in a sets us up in a really great way to see things from our dog's point of view and have some success with reducing their barking. Is there anything you would add to that? I, I would love to jump in and just add a couple little tips on the delivery person. And so whether it's the the postman coming or postwoman coming, or it is the Amazon deliveries you mentioned, UPS, FedEx, whatever it might be. One thing to think about is giving your dog a great alternative. So in our home, whenever they they hear someone walking up our steps or they hear the mailbox opening or they hear the the little beeping of the person checking that the package is, is checked in at that location, whenever they hear that, they may sometimes bark and or they may be alerting, you know, maybe I see their heads turn or their ears go up if I hear it too, uh, before they have a chance to start barking. A lot of times at that point in time, or even when they first start barking, it's okay, quiet. So I've taught them that quiet. And then I give them that alternative. So they come towards me, they may get one of their favorite chewies. They may get a few treats. So I may give them a few treats in a row. So uh, one, to, one to Nova, one to Indiana Bones, one to Otis, and then we'll go down the line a few times. And so giving them that alternative behavior is really helpful. And it also helps them to feel better about that person. And then just being out on walks with them. Anytime that we see the, the mail person coming, the delivery person, we're actually practicing looking at that person and getting treats just for looking at them quietly. So just they look over, they get a treat. They look over, they get a treat. Asking them to do a sit or any known behavior. And it's been really neat for me to be able to work on those behaviors, whether with client dogs or with my own dogs. And in terms of being able to talk to delivery people who just randomly are, there, are like, gosh, that's so cool. Thank you so much for doing that. Like, I wish more people did that. And it's not that I'm, you know, special or anything like that. It's just that, you know, these little, little things that we can do to teach our dogs a better alternative rather than that reactive outburst that they may have at the, towards that person. Because as you said, they just learn through experience, I bark, that person goes away. And so they learn, hey, that worked to get that relief from that somewhat stressful situation. That person went away. I feel better. And so whether it's frustration or that underlying anxiety, what we can do instead is give them an alternative response when they see that delivery person or whatever that trigger might be. And uh, definitely an important one, too, for being able to, to you know, help prevent some of those, those dog bites as well by helping to address that underlying emotion that's causing that, that outburst of barking in the first place. I always learn something from talking to you, Mikkel, um, and this, this interview has been no exception. So I think we gave our listeners some good takeaway points and some good things to think about with barking as well. So thank you for that. Well, I love you so much, my friend, and can't wait to have you back again. Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Happy Paws. We hope you continue tuning in as we explore more about your pets. On the next episode, we have a very special guest, Ken Ramirez, Vice President and Chief Training Officer for Karen Pryor Clicker Training. Make sure you subscribe to avoid missing out on any upcoming Happy Paws episodes. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you took a minute and left us a review. For more content like this and much more, visit us at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Our music is by 310. That's the number 3, the word 1, and the word O. 
Follow them on Instagram at 310official and listen to them on Spotify or wherever else you find your music.